everybody. Welcome to the Alexis Pereira program. This is episode three. Uh, and uh, I'm Alexis Pereira. Uh, with me, as always, is my co-host, Alex Estrada. Hello, everybody. Um, <laughs> thank you for that, Alex. Uh, and Alex, you know, this is episode three. You, we don't know how big this podcast is going to get. But when I was deciding to bring on a guest for episode three, I was thinking, who might one day destroy my life if I ever make it big? Okay? And, uh, and there, there are two women. Okay? There are two women who might just one day destroy me. The first woman uh, is, and I, I call this one woman, but, you know, maybe it's a conglomerate. The first woman is the entire 2018 writing staff for Full Frontal with Samantha Bee. Okay. <laughs> Jesus okay. Christ. That's the first woman. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to bridge that gap. You know, there we have... We have serious disagreements, but, you know, that's a ticking time bomb. But the second woman is somebody who I think I can bridge the gap with one day. Uh, and that is Militamares. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I can save myself from being destroyed by her one day if I invite her on the pod early on. <laughs> and listeners, please welcome Militamares. Yay. Thank Yay. you. Millie. Thanks for ha- thanks for having us, uh, Millie. Yeah, thank you <laughs> How are you doing? Coming on my podcast. The, this is actually the All Dick is Trash podcast. You guys didn't know that. No. Um, so you will be roasted for the next hour. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. What an intro. Jesus Christ. You know, I just wanted to be serious. I wanted to be honest with the guests. I wanted to be honest with the guests in the audience. Um, I'm sure a lot of the 2018 Sam B writing <laughs> stuff doesn't like me either. Holy shit. Yeah, you got, we have a, the makings of a class action lawsuit right here. Yeah. <laughs> Those women um, started talking. Millie and I go way back. Um, I recently directed uh, her, her uh, Steve Harvey... Uh, I always forget the name. Steve Harvey. Lifetime uh, Achievement Award. Thank you. Yeah, that which was really funny. We only did it once because wow. we are now homebound because of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to have a second date at Littlefield on April 5th. Rip, rip. God bless. And, uh, you know, we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back. Um, so check that out. Um, Maybe but, in LA uh, next time. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Or in um, Dallas, where people really love Steve Harvey. <laughs> Atlanta. <laughs> Atlanta. <laughs> That's where I get canceled. Is Atlanta? I do the Steve Harvey show in Peach. People are like boo. Also, who directed this? Pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I um after the Steve Harvey show at Union Hall, somebody like somebody was like, "Oh my God, is this real?" And someone's like, "Yeah, it's a real show." And then they thought that Steve Harvey was there. So they were, like, waiting for Steve Harvey to come out (laughs) at fucking Union Hall. Here with a 28-person audience at Union Hall, Steve Harvey. Okay, it was sold out, Alexis. Don't do me like that. (laughs) No, that's true. It it, It was not only sold out. People couldn't get in, which was always... For me, it's always a testament of a great show when people can't get in. Yeah. Most parties that I go to, I can't get in. Um, But, uh, so, I don't want to talk about the specific strife in the comedy community, but right now there is a conversation of, nobody has a theater right now, but when we reopen, if ever, when we reopen, people want comedy theaters to look a certain way. They want it to be different. They want it to be more inclusive. Uh, They want it to be... um, uh, more inclusive and safe for women. Um, now oh, that's a concept. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But um, have you guys seen any of the Jeff Ross stuff? That shit. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I, months read, ago, I spent too. all morning. Been... But I spent all morning today reading it, and I was like, oh my god. But that that was like that came out like a year ago. Also, it came she, out crazy. Yeah. yeah, but it's like resurfacing now. I didn't even hear about it a, like when it came out. Yeah, that I mean, that's I, mean, I didn't look at it recently, but I remember when I looked at it, um, you know, when it came out a, few, a year ago. I mean, she has pictures, she has yeah. notes. I mean, you know, it's just even at the bare minimum, why are you hanging out with a fifteen-year-old? Exactly. And then obviously, 
um, I, I have to believe that uh, what else she's talking about. I mean, she just it's heartbreaking and also terrible because like he uh, he seems to be so connected. Nobody cares. Yeah. Um, exactly. So anyway, people are re, re- how can we redo theater? But I got a letter here. Uh, I'm going to open this letter here. Uh, Dear Alexis, Alex, and Millie, you are now the three-headed artistic director of a new comedy theater. Much like a SimCity situation, you are allowed to place this theater anywhere in the world. Your salary is $27,000 a year. (laughs) Your health benefits are two doctor visits a year, like a dentist. Your dental benefits is just a note that reads, don't eat candy. (laughs) Good luck, and like every improv theater, this message will (laughs) self-destruct. Wow. So now we're going to have a conversation uh, where the three of us build the theater. We're going to go one by one and talk about what we would like this theater I feel like it should be half like I feel like when you start having it's like hard it's a hard balance between like you want good quality shows but you also if it's a, is it a theater and a school or is it a school well I, I mean we'll, is it we'll, th- we'll decide we'll decide because we if it's that. a school and a theater like or even still like you want a good balance of like anybody has a shot and you want like greener people because they'll take it more seriously or at least like a certain level like they'll take it seriously they'll invite they'll promote and and like you know and also you want like good curated good quality shows yeah but the more and especially if they're not paid like the more like higher quality whatever show like the less invested other people are in like promoting it and stuff so um not to say like the pit, but that's something that the, the pit. pit, like like the pit. Uh, UCB gets dragged all the time, but the pit doesn't. And I feel like the the thing that keeps the pit safe is that anybody can do any show that they want. Yeah, there. yeah. No, I I started at the pit. Like uh, that's where I first started doing uh, sketch comedy. Uh, I was on a pit house team for about two and a half years, and it, and it was like that. You literally could go up. Um, the way they had our rotations going is we would do a dress rehearsal show and then like a real show, um, like from week to week though. So it's basically like three weeks to get the show ready, one week to make it like good. But we had, we were encouraged to like bring people to both shows. And so what would happen is people come and see the shitty show, the dress rehearsal, and then nobody would come the next week because <laughs> the show was bad. And it's like, we got better. Uh, and yeah, and then like after that show, it was like two weeks until the next um, dress rehearsal. So it was it was fun. It was like the Wild West and I learned a lot, uh, but it definitely felt like, you know, we're flailing here. And of course, there was like no oversight or anything else. So, well, the thing about the weird thing about the pit, though, is so, you know, they have like four shows in the basement a night. Mm-hmm. You know, they literally don't even have like the like UCB is like the shows are bet- have are one hour and a half from each other. Um, and that it pit there an hour. So, like, they have four shows in the basement. Then they have four shows in the main room, you know, whatever, like, at the same time, which, wow, that's eight shows a night. Maybe even nine, ten shows if they push it because they're typically one hour from each other. But then they cleared out the attic in the last few months or whatever, and they started putting <laughs> shows up there. Yeah, like the small mics and stuff. And right. <laughs> so I went to a show there once, uh, uh, and uh, I was looking at it, and I was looking at the board, and there were legitimately 17, 18 shows, you know, in one night. I mean, yeah, everybody can perform because everybody is performing. You know? Exactly. But then they got then they got a full bar. That's nice. That's, That's also nice. what I would have. That's like the prestige of UCB, whatever. Like if your parents come from out of town. Where are you going to take them to... Where are you going to take them? Chelsea or to the pit uh, on 23rd Street? Oh, so let's get to it. Let's get... You know, this is another one. Our theater has to have a hangout space. Yeah. With beer and alcohol. Well, I would say at least beer, but if not, like, definitely full liquor. Yeah. Like, full liquor for sure. And food if we can. Yeah. I I don't know about food because of, like, the extra stuff that would happen with, like, uh, food safety. But um, well, like you're talking about, like having to get like food handling and uh, yeah, 
Yeah, suppliers, yeah. Everything Everyone loves a hot dog, Alexa, so you have to admit it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So, so do cockroaches and rats, Alex. <laughs> um, but uh, the thing about like a hangout space is people can go and hang out and maybe go to another show. You can bring people to like when you invite people to see a show, there's something to do. And like that idea of like, damn, like now we got to walk like, uh, you know, across the street to a bar or, or something like that. It really ruins the momentum and then also, too, sometimes those bars are overwhelmed of, like, fuck, there's 40 people here that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, and they, you know, they start to get annoyed. So, uh, whereas, you know, the if in the bar of, like, of a theater, uh, they already know, like, they have, like, some kind of idea. Like, I guess, like, East... Like, uh, the Hot Chicks Room in the East uh, was was uh, really good. But even, like, I went to... When I was in London, I was in Soho Theater. And the Soho Theater seems like it's, like, the Bell House, the Union Hall of London. And they have a really cool, like, big hangout spot. There's booths all around and in the middle. There's And they... Obviously, they don't sell, like, a full food menu, but they sell, like... Um, what is it? Fucking sausage rolls or whatever the fuck you know. Oh, they, they love that shit in England. <laughs> exactly. So they sell like stuff that you can like snack on, and yeah, it was really so. And then they have this thing. I don't know if we if if I agree with this, but they also have like if you're a club member, if you're a card member, like uh, you can stay longer. But if you're like just a general person, you have to leave early. So I guess oh, that's what whack. they of oh, uh, uh, turnover. Well, I think it's, like, more, like, if you're a comedian, you know, or, like, a part of the thing, you can stay really late. But if you're just a general member, you got to go. Right. Um, I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. But I kind of see the good thing of, like, oh, they can, like, have just community time and whatever. And, like, but then at the same time, it's, like, who's really spending money, you know? Yeah. or Community time, as as, as I like to call it, white people time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so let's continue with. I mean, I think we're actually building a, a real theater, but we'll, uh, folks, we'll have some jokes in a second. I swear to God. Um, but uh, if you're here for jokes, don't, why are you on AlexisPerera.com? Yeah. <laughs> ain't nothing funny about this guy. So Here here's go. another one. There's um, our blurb. This uh, <laughs> this theater needs to be within walking distance of at least five subway stops. Mm. That mm. is that is so big for me. I mean, I. Cannot believe how difficult it is for not you know like sometimes like a, even if a theater is near one subway stop. What's what? Well, well, UCB Hell's Kitchen is walking distance, but it's just <laughs> if you're a varsity athlete. Emphasis, emphasis on the distance that it's walking. I remember the Hell's Kitchen spot was um, you know I th- I thought it was a beautiful uh, theater, but like when the same thing happened every time I walked there. Whereas I thought I was I was there and I was one block short. Every oh, single God. time, I was like, I was I like two blocks short. <laughs> Wasn't that like a thing with like people getting spit on, like women getting spit on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was close to um, I forget what exactly, but yeah, there were some uh, bad late night terminal. encounters. But um, the Forty Second Street bus terminal is amazing because there's a bunch of people in line. This is another weird thing about, and I don't want to get off topic. There's a, there's these buses uh, on Forty Second Street outside the terminal, the Port Authority, and I asked somebody who t- took the white buses, them. right? Yeah. I took them all the time. You, you take them all the time? I, yeah, I have, yeah. Where do they go? So basically, this is this is genius, right? So there's these really popular uh, NJ Transit bus routes, and you need, like, a card. You need to go through. If you want to take the NJ Transit bus route, you go through, and it's like it, it charges you for how long you go. So let's say if you go from here to Patterson, I mean from from uh, Port Authority to Patterson. Like, that's a really popular bus route. The only thing is, that's like $7 or $8. Uh, and then um, it only goes once an hour. So then there's these Jitney buses that take the same exact route and they charge like $2 cheaper. Oh, and then wow. they go more out. They go until the bus is full. So like you're waiting yeah. there and then they pack the bus and then they go. Yeah. And then they'll pack. So it goes a lot more frequently and it goes through the same route. So if you go like there's there's like one corner will take you through Patterson. One quarter will take you through like Jersey City. One qu- and then it, and then there's also the same in um the Heights at George Washington Bridge Terminal. Uh mm. they have the same uh 
like does the the bus routes and stuff. Ah. So and then a lot more like they do a lot more with cash and it's like all cash. It's all cash and it's all like kind of verbal. So I feel like a lot of like um immigrant like uh, you know immigrant people who whose English isn't great and like maybe they can't understand the machines uh take it or like you can kind of haggle with them. And yeah, it's a little bit more frequent too. So I asked somebody, you know, yeah, I always see them. First of all, there's any type of bus you can imagine is lined up there. They literally just bring in, like, there's a school bus that's been repainted, a pickup truck with four <laughs> chairs in the back. Like, yeah. it's just any kind of bus, any type of transportation. It literally is mad, like a Mad Max caravan, <laughs> just <laughs> ready to go into New Jersey. And, um, you know, there's these lines of people waiting with cash or whatever. But, like, it's very crowded. It's very crowded. And then there's, like, you know, uh, people who are, are on drugs, uh, who want to go to the local Burger King. Um, and uh, then there's a bunch of tourists. So it's very packed. And, like, the, the problem is that when you get off at the 42nd Street station, the closest one to Hell's Kitchen, it's so packed you're probably going to run into somebody. And every now and then you get, like, literally run into somebody who has a mental issue. Um, mm. So, yeah, so you might get spit on. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was like, that issue. But I, I had the same issue with UC, the, the Beast because even though I would walk from – Union Square, right? Uh, sometimes, because even though it was longer, it, it was more reliable. The F train never comes. Like, that mm. is that just like, if, if you're waiting for the F train, just give up. And I used to live off the F train. It wasn't like that when I lived in Queens. But that, for some reason, lower Manhattan, it's like, the F train is like, oh, I'm the M now. I'm not coming okay. to your stop. I feel like... So I feel like this theater should be near the Atlantic Barclays in Brooklyn. Oh, it's <laughs> right next to my, my place. I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not cool. I live like in, you know, in like Bushwick, Bed-Stuy area. But um, I feel like that has a ton of lines, but it's also Brooklyn still. So it's like a little cooler. Yeah. It was crazy to me that they never made anything in Brooklyn. They tried it years and years ago. Oh, years really? Years ago, but they, it didn't work out. They tried, like, an independent UCB team that would perform around Brooklyn, but made up of, like, you know, their house team players. It never really worked out. But that was, like, a long time ago. Oh, is that when they made the, the fucking show full of white people called Gentrify? Uh, that was not UCB at <laughs> That's first, what it was but called. it was so white, it got picked up by UCB. They I ran know, around like, the city raising rents in all these neighborhoods. <laughs> I know. I'm like, how can you have something called Gentrify? Man, there's a, that's a question. Would we? Would there be house teams at the new theater? Yes. Um, so my idea for the new theater is every house team. Um, we'll get to payment in a second. I mean, whatever. We'll talk about it now. But there are house teams, and you go on six month runs. Mm. Um, and uh, basically, you know, I don't want. It's very difficult running a theater because I think that. As artistic director, you don't want to set rules that you have to work against. So, you know, basically you need to tell people, maybe it'll be six months, maybe it'll be nine months. I don't even know. Maybe it's nine months and this rotates because auditions every six months, but then you get a pass. So then like you kind of, it's like a year maybe for everybody. But um, the, uh, I think that the, the most important thing is to allow fresh blood and allow people to like take a rest as well so they don't get jaded. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't mind house teams, but I would like more eff- emphasis on good independent teams. Yeah. I would have more space. Like um, in Philly, in the Philly Improv Theater, I think that's what it, um, they would do. They would have house teams and they would be like the headliners. And then for a month, they would get a new indie team to open for them a, a, every week for a month, you know? I like that. And like, cool. or that, or like, um, you know, again, yeah, just good indie teams that maybe not even anyone's on a house team, like, can, you know, can have their own show or have their own night or Because so, I feel like, I feel like Mod and, and, and Harold are great, but I feel like... A, a good improv team that like has everyone has rapport and has been playing together and they respect you know what I mean like and that happens organically not with somebody like oh let's push each other but it's like oh here's a group of people who we all came together on our own I feel like those shows tend to be more enjoyable to watch um yeah no question remember and- Doppelganger yeah, well, of affirmative action, I'm just thinking. Yeah. Like, and, and it was just such a barrier for us to 
Because they did like the audition as a team, but then everyone will have to have. It was just so impossible for us to like have ever auditioned as a house team because it means that everyone has to have passed 401 and been in advance or whatever the fuck. And then, you know, if you like, I was the one of the last people on my team because, you know, if you have a racist teacher or if somebody doesn't have money or if somebody this and that, you know, it's just all these barriers. And it's like, damn, I wish there was like. And like a night where we could have like been able to do our, th- you know, and then I'm also thinking like in our prime, had we gotten uh, some kind of slot, you know, we would have like fucking promoted the hell out of it, yeah, shows it true. out like all yeah. the, you know what I mean? Like it's that balance of like you want good, but then you also want green, like green is in you. They're more excited and hyped up about the show. So that's why our theater has to be. Promoting, up and coming, everything. No doubt about it. I mean, I feel like that, you know, people who are house players, there should be a little bit of emphasis on or or whatever on like people who are in the community or or teachers or something like that. But you, you don't have a theater without new people. And once you close off that valve, then eventually the people who are veterans just get tired and they basically drop off and and they go from doing like seven person shows to three person shows and whatever. And I feel like, um, you know, maybe in our charter or whatever, we'd have to be like, it needs to be 60, 40 of like 60% people who are like, whatever we want to call it, like house people or whatever, who are, you know, performers. And then like, we really try to emphasize new talent, new teams and uh, nights where new people can, can try things out under the guidance of the artistic director. Yeah. That's where the artistic director should be spending a lot. You know what I mean? Like blossoming these new people and encouraging people to leave. Like, yeah, you know, encouraging career development, like, Hey, you know, well, you, um, you, don't, you don't even need to leave though, because that's another thing. Like you, you can ask people who the the biggest issue that I think people have with theaters is they don't know how the how it works. How like who do I reach out to? Who's a good director? And not even just how specific theater works, but oftentimes how theater works. Period. Um, you know, a lot of people weren't did not given the privilege of studying theater in college or whatever, and then all of a sudden. They're like, well, I've watched TV. I know how theater works. And it's like, no, you don't. You don't know how theater works at all. You have to learn all these weird stuff. And they're not given, like, a a mentor. Hmm. And I think that for a lot of people, you know, uh, I I think that they would benefit greatly from just even being able to, like, witness a rehearsal, witness uh, a class, and just, like, be able to see how things work. Because I think a lot of times also people are thrown into the first class and they're kind of like, all right, now you know what to do. Two people up, and they're just like, "What the fuck?" You know? <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. And then you have another class. Another half is like, "Oh, we took acting classes for like ten years. We know exactly what to do." So I think that people, you know, um, what do you call it? Uh, more visibility uh, uh, and w- would help get more people in who are who have the natural talent but don't have the uh, uh, the 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 teaching or, or the, the 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 mentorship to to learn this this stuff. I would do some stand-up stuff for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm, You know, I know a theater in Miami, and they have, like, sketch director, I think musical comedy, and they have a stand-up director, and oh. they have, like, stand-up nights. A book and they also do, like, and they also do, like, um, YouTube stuff. They all do, even before the corona stuff, they were all doing, like, their own YouTube channel, like, promoting it and, and, and all that stuff, so I feel like that there's, like, opportunity in that, too. Like, I would of, love my theater, though. And speaking of opportunity, um, you know, in our theater, everybody gets paid to perform. <laughs> and, oh. you know, th- it's so easy to say everybody gets paid, and I'm not trying to go that way. But I think you need to make a rule of maybe the the performer gets 10% of the door. I don't even know. Like, what's mm. fair? What's fair and what's there legal? Shows, there are shows that, like, even getting 5 to 20 bucks... Which really, twenty bucks would cover my Uber mostly. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's cool. Like even so, so yeah, like ten percent of the. But then yeah, have some kind of budget of like this is even if it's like okay, you have two hundred bucks or one sixty or something, and you'll divide. You have for this hour, 
and y'all divide it amongst yourselves however you want, and then let the performers decide how many people are, you know. That's another question that I had internally because, you know, um, if three performers perform, this is it's, it's, it's very tough because you don't. It, sometimes they'll be like, well, I only want two people to perform because I only want more money, so we each get eighty bucks. So I, I kind of. You know, I'm curious about that. If it should be a lump sum or it should be individual, um, but well, I guess uh, part of it also know. comes in uh, as to whether or not, like, are we is the theater itself a producer of the of the show, or is it a matter? Because that was the thing that I was thinking about about whether if the theater is producing the show, then the idea would be that like some kind of arrangement is made where like everyone kind of gets a taste. And so it's a question of like, should it be derived based on on profits, or do we uh, derive based on the value of the labor? And I guess that also just goes into the question of whether or not are we a nonprofit or a for profit uh, business concern. I think it has to be a nonprofit. I'm not trying to get rich. I'm out. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, it's like how much money. Like there, are, there are. Um, there are shows like, for example, something like North Coast, their own fan base. They promote. They have their own people. Like, we just give them the space. They should get more money. Yeah. But if we're having, like, putting it on and are performing and, and have to develop it and we're using our labor and resources, um, then that's a different story. I feel like at the very least, um, not pay, like, house team players not having to pay for a rehearsal space or coaches, yeah. even that would be solid. Yeah, that's an like, yeah, that's improvement I, over the current situation. No, yeah. yeah, that's another one that I have written down here that, you know, the theater really needs to pay for... <laughs> I don't know about props, but, like, um, the theater should, <laughs> like, definitely pay for a space. Again, this is our dream theater. Uh, space and coaches, and just bake that into uh, uh, the, the money that they make from the show's... Um, yeah, it's just, it's the only way to really also get diversity. You know, it's, it's a lot of people like they're, they're too broke to, to continue it, you know, um, and, uh, or they're just shocked by how much it adds up because really like sometimes you're like, oh, it's like $50 a month or a hundred dollars a month. And then it's like, wow, I spent $1,200 this year, uh, just on improv and coaches and space plus yeah, no. uh, travel. Easily, like when I was on Boogie Manja, that shit was costing me like at least two hundred bucks a month. Well, really, like, a hundred and ten <coughs> with all the rehearsals, like could easily be a hundred, a hundred and ten, a hundred and thirty bucks. And then if you're talking like cabs and props and all that, right. I had to buy a ninety dollar bra one time for well, a, it looks a sketch. Great. <laughs> but it was like because there was a sketch where I had to be naked, so I oh my god, and I had it had I'm to listening. be flesh tone, but nobody there nobody makes flesh tone in my tone, <laughs> so I had to get a special flesh tone bra from London for this show, and it was so sad because I had gotten fired the day before, like very brutally. So my oh. whole team, like my whole team of like guys. <laughs> Came to see the show and support me. And, was, <laughs> and you're naked. And I was naked and choking Ken McGraw naked. <laughs> I've had that dream too. <laughs> if you weren't fired before, you are now, Millie. <laughs> was it a good sketch? <laughs> um, it was pretty. Fu- it was a, a spoof of the show Naked and Afraid. Uh-huh. And um, basically, it's like me and Ken are naked and afraid together. And then he gets on my nerves so much, I choke him. You were on the same night. Did did Aaron write for you or did? Yeah, I think Aaron was. Yeah, Aaron was. <laughs> <laughs> it was also the first time I did Steve Harvey, and the game of that sketch was that I make out with every contestant on Family Feud. Mm-hmm. And by the time, and then I was also Ken. By the time I got to Ken, we made out so hard that my mustache got in his mouth, <laughs> and he like choked on it. <laughs> And then I put on another one, and I'm like, I'm Steve. And then my coworkers, my coworkers were there. They're like, oh my god. Yeah. See, this is why I do comedy under an assumed name. I can't have anyone knowing what I do. <laughs> Any of this stuff. 
I initially uh, did comedy under an assumed name because I taught it. I taught seventh and eighth grade when I first started doing comedy. I was I, I was so broke that I, like it's like really sad to even remember those days. But like um, I went under I, I on all the shows that I did initially I went under A Luis Pereira. <laughs> 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 and people would hey, call Louise. me Luis, and I was like, I never went by that name. And then, um, and it's interesting because, like, uh, the school, they eventually had me as Alex in my, where I worked. So then I was like, okay, then I'll just go by Alexis in comedy. Um, you know, and half the people in my life call me Alexis, half the people call me Alex. And then eventually it was just like, once you like, once you can be yourself, <laughs> it's so freeing. But my God, it, the name thing. I mean, that was, like, the Millie T thing, but, like, I was, like, I put it on, I put, I spelled it weird so nobody can find me on Facebook, mm-hmm. and then people would, just went off Facebook and, like, would be, like, Malia! <laughs> <laughs> or, like, Maleficent. on, like, casting, on, like, I would get casted and shit, and then on the credits it would show Millie T, and I'm like, oh, God. Oh, that's the worst. Or they're like, are you part Asian because T? And I'm like, oh, fuck. You know what's a funny thing? People would do this thing in uh, casting rooms where if they didn't see me, they would say Alexis Pereira if they didn't see me. But if they saw me, then they'd look at my name and go, um... Al, uh, oh boy, uh, X, uh, Perrier, like, just, just the fact that I was Latino, they would immediately just be like, I better struggle with his name. I don't know. Interesting. Maybe they thought you were French or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so here's another one. I, I, this is not like, you know, I, it's funny because we're actually being very serious. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to say this, but I'd like you to. Take it over, Millie. Um, uh, sexual harassment training and, and seminars. Why would I have to take it over? Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, Alexis, I'm Alexis lacks it, the moral you know? authority to. <laughs> As the woman. Well, oh, you know, okay. Um, I feel like definitely racial bias training, implicit bias training. Uh, uh, for sure. Like for teachers and for staff members and for everybody, like yeah, everybody who works there. But then the students, like they, I don't know, like in a class. No, no, that would take too, too much time in a class. It would take for, a time. Perf- yeah, it would take for too performers. Much time. Um, definitely, you, you you perform. You get a you get a welcome thing, an HR thing, where it's like you know, here's you know all this all the trainings on sexual like we maybe like a quarterly session that. Is like mandatory. I don't know. Court, oh yeah, yeah. Quarterly like, for every new person. Yeah. Every new person. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, I at my job right now, I do a, a every year uh, we do sexual harassment and we do uh, workplace violence, um, and uh, yeah, I think it's. I I even pick like not the sexual harassment one. I, I was gonna, I was just about to say I pick up new stuff, but like I pick up stuff from the workplace violence one of just like how to like um, de-escalate situations. Hmm. And uh, that works in my life because I do basically customer service. I'm a, a, a IT person, a supervisor at, at my school. Like, uh, and it, I, it really helps to de-escalate situations and that I didn't know about, and they're not like they're not intuitive. Um, but yeah, but I also think that like I think that sexual harassment training and like you know people there's a lot of people who are like in comedy who never interacted with women or, or whatever you know or um and uh they just they need that yeah i wonder like i feel like this theater needs a huge like a lot of staff like i feel like um there needs to be one staff for sketch one for improv and like they're the artistic directors of each sure you know and focused and they have an assistant, you know, because this is fantasy. But it's like there's one person there just like doing the logistical stuff of booking. And they could even be part time or whatever. Booking, whatever. And then there's one person who's just focused on the, like, the development. I feel yeah. like a lot of issues come from like when one person's overwhelmed with everything and they like have no like no sense of quality or you know so yeah. it's like I'd rather have like six or seven people doing that job you know and then yeah and uh, yeah well, the, well here's another thing I think that people when they perform at a theater there are times where they can go a huge gap without getting feedback 
And I think that's a problem because, uh, you know, what, if you go like six months without ever hearing from anybody, hey, you're not doing this or I'd like you to do this. Like even if it might be painful, it might be awkward. But uh, then like, you know, you're shocked if you get cut or, you know, whatever. Like it, I just feel like a lot of people, uh, especially if they're not – because here's the deal like there are people who are friends with teachers and they get the feedback and they're just kind of like oh yeah fuck let me do that and then there are people who are not friends with the teachers and the other performers and then they got like shocked that like oh what like this is how people feel about me so it just becomes a uh, word of mouth kind of thing and I think that instead there should be if there's regular feedback people can either adjust or they cannot be surprised. And look, we know how people. You know how it is. People may still disagree, and people will at the end not be be happy or whatever. But still, you can say that there was feedback. There was an attempt to adjust. Yeah. Yeah. Elise says she spent three years on Lloyd and never got any feedback. And and then I not and then she quit. You know, usually they give you feedback when you get cut, is what I've heard. Uh, but she didn't even get cut she quit so then she just never got anything she never got a note yeah. there you go perfect score <laughs> yeah you're, you're doing great you're doing Thank great you, sweetie you're doing great yeah there's also another person who um like uh, there's this team and it was like a lot of women but there is this guy who like steamrolled them and like wasn't letting them talk wasn't letting them do anything and um they all kind of complained about you know this guy like steamrolling and uh they're like <laughs> the <laughs> the UCB person was like you know why don't you like wear a bold lip like <laughs> <laughs> like how can that you know, stop have more confidence <laughs> yeah it was like it was like no 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 it's like have more confidence in yourself to to not get steamrolled like not like correcting this guy um and then um and that guy did go on. He got immediately bumped up to Harold, <laughs> and then I think he's on. A, he was on a weekend team. Like immediately moved through the ranks, and those. And then a lot of those women did get cut. Uh, yeah, I well, mean, I guess in yeah, in light of everything, there were definitely some uh, decisions and placements uh, that seemed kind of almost like arbitrary in a way. And it's unfortunate because when that kind of thing happens. I think it can really erode, uh, you know, people who are looking to uh, to get involved or to uh, to move up, whatever it is, and it becomes a thing of like, well, if I'm not, you know, friends with the right person or doing the right things, like there's no future for me here. Uh, there's no place for my voice, and uh, they move on. Yeah, but as Alexis proves, be- sometimes they come back. Well, yeah, I just can't. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. They always come I- back. That's what my mom told me about men. They always come back. Well, I didn't have any friends in the theater when I first got on. I literally was like the most like out. Like I, I joined a theater full of losers, and I was the biggest loser. I was like, wow, like in the in the land of the blind, the man with no no face. <laughs> or whatever. Um, and then I came back, and I was like, uh, uh, all the all the people who I you know whatever. The, that um, I wasn't friends with, they were all they all had success. They no longer cared. <laughs> so that's basically uh, how I. You just have to outlast the people who will one day get jobs. That's all you gotta do. If you're a uh, person of color out there, listen. <laughs> remember, <laughs> just live. Also, the other thing that kills me is like again is like, man, I was so freaking broke when I first got on Herald Night. Like I just it drives me crazy because I have so much more money. I literally make almost three times what I used to make when I got on Herald Night and I, I would have been taking classes I would have been taking sketch classes improv classes shit was so fucking expensive um, but I don't you know there I don't know there needs to be like scholarships but there you know there occasionally are but that's so hard for schools but I feel yeah. like what I didn't get is like why doesn't UCB or not UCB in our theater we will have <laughs> fundraisers yeah. Like big gala events and 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 get all these rich people and they're gonna give us some money. And, That's the thing. We have a, and, a foundation from uh, Dow Chemical. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> have a foundation get. from Dow Chemical. Our rich <laughs> alumni got a promise. We're gonna really do some career development and as soon as they get a show, 
well, here's the thing that happens. Percent of their check. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing I never tied, understood, and this was brought up by a lot of people. Well, is like why the four never did like, you know, all the you know these years of financial turmoil and everything else. They they're connected to um, you know very wealthy, uh, presumably wealthy alumni. Uh, who have an interest in training the next generation of uh, diverse voices. Like, you know, why were there never any... Uh... There's two reasons. There's okay. two reasons. The first one is a lot of people who went through UCB were treated like shit. And they just dealt with it because they were just like, I'm just going to deal with it for now. This is the only way. And once I'm out of here, I'm out. So they kind of like... They, they're kind of like... Because of the way theaters can sometimes treat people... You know, if you don't develop, if you don't like help out with like money and stuff like that, once they make it, they're they're out. It's like they're out of college. Yeah. Here's the mm. second thing: they don't want to bother rich people, and they are afraid that rich people will be like, "Oh no, they're gonna want my money if I go perform there." So basically, the way that you know some theaters get uh, clout is by a rich performer casually coming back every now and then to perform, and. The way that rich people treat each other is they're just like, don't bother me for donations because or else I'm just not going to go. You know, so there's basically that's, you know, how it works. But so again, they, they you know, spend hundreds of thousands on DCM. <laughs> they're just like, well, yeah. I hope everyone had a good time. We'll see you around. Yeah. yeah. But you should be <laughs> all the interns are working free now. Yes. Um, and uh, if it's a nonprofit, then you can get donations and things like that. But it's good. It'll, it would take so long to build a theater. Uh, you know, and build that clout and have people who who make it that you would kind of need to be in the red for years. It's, it would be very difficult. Well, Whereas I would still have a fucking gala. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> no, you you should. And again, we're making twenty seven thousand dollars a year here. Come on. Well, yeah, you show off the good things you're doing, and then you get money. It's just that I don't think people were like wanting to give money to a, a for profit theater that's just going yeah. to go into the pockets. Yeah, exactly. That's true too. Yeah, if you're a nonprofit and then you have like some good shit in place of like this is how we're helping. I also honestly, and this might be a whole other thing. I feel like we should kind of even be a non union talent agency. Like, I was so surprised that, like, UCB had this database of of students and, like, not even try to, like, streamline auditions or, you know, or, like, get into any of that kind of game. Yeah, yeah. it was very, they had something, but it was, like, very, very informal. Like, every once in a while, there would be a, you know, um, uh, like, an, uh, like an email that went out to, like, a selected few of, like, hey, you know, they're looking for this type of person. I thought of you, like, whatever. I got one once. But yeah, but there, yeah. there wasn't any, I don't think there was any crystallized process or, you know, transparency to it. I think it was just kind of like if the artistic director, uh, like saw you and maybe thought of like a specific need that came through, they'd reach out. But otherwise, yeah, nothing, uh, nothing concrete. The yeah. tough part though, is you don't want to cut people off from other avenues and you don't want people to think that UCB is like, oh, you or whatever, like your theater is now is represents them. So don't represent them. You know, like you don't want to create a competitive situation. You don't. But you should develop talent. You don't, but it should be like in partnership or a spinoff or something of like, yeah, there should be some kind of pipeline or something. Like it was just always crazy to me that they never, you know, especially for a lot of like these non-union commercial kind of shits, they should have, I was like, you should opt, you should be able to opt in if you want to be a part of like their little database and they should be able to look up like comedians who identify as black like ages 30 to that's a great idea and then like they have you know all these people who are interested who were kind of associated with the theater who've taken classes who know the the basics and um yeah and then maybe there's like an elite list of people who've been vetted a little bit more we don't know but like yeah. There should be, you know, with all the students that are in, coming in and like ha- <coughs> have at least a light interest in comedy. It was crazy to me that there was, the, you know, that there hasn't been a theater really that has like kind of streamlined or crystallized that process, you know. But no, but that's not a theater's fault because that's the way the industry works. The industry doesn't want a cattle call for every project, and no. nor do they, nor do they want even like a general call for a lot of jobs like they always want exclusivity and they always want 
whoever they're reaching out to to be like, oh, I've got five really good people who I've vetted, and I I'm not wasting your time. And I think yeah, that- but I feel like that could be the organization, like a theater's that could be a theater's job of like, here's all these people, here are the five vetted ones, here's this list. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't disagree. It's like that people should when they when they when they're part of the theater, and I think once you take a class or whatever, you become part of the theater. Uh, should be like sh- they should. There should be like a database and stuff like that. But you know, I think that there are like occasionally though. The issue is once you are kind of vetted and kind of good, then you can kind of get representation. I think you, I think our theater should help with trying to get representation and things like that at least. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm making twenty seven thousand dollars a year. I'm going to definitely need. Uh, <laughs> A rep, uh, and once I get a show, everybody at the theater will be working for free. I'll, I'll tell you that much. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see, what else do we got? Um, any other ideas for our theater? Oh yeah, how much is admission going to cost? Because here's the thing: theaters charge, you know, comedy theaters charge very little because they want more butts in the do- uh, in the seats. But a lot of these people, fifteen dollars. Is like twenty is like twenty five dollars is nothing to them, mm. you know. And I even feel like for like a weekend slot or, or whatever, like the primetime shows, I think they should be a little, you know. I think they should be like twenty five bucks or whatever. Like I think that that should be the real money maker. And yeah. then you know, then like during the week, you know, the shows are free or, or, or cheap. Yeah, I feel like weekend twenty five, even thirty, if there's like whatever, and then weekday five ten. You know, Union Union Pool. I'm sorry, Union Pool. Union, <laughs> Union Hall. Hall. Union Hall uh, lets you set how much you want to charge because it, you get half. Maybe that'll be the way for like visiting talent. And I think you, your point is really good. Of like people who we have not developed. You know, you come in, you set your rate, but you get like a higher cut. But then people. But here's the thing, though. Let's say I developed. Let's say I, Alex Pereira, developed an improv team or whatever, and I put them up. And then like six months later, they're like, I don't want to keep giving you. you your fucking theater cut of our thing. Like, do we have to cu- hit, come down with the hammer on them or, or what happens? Well, well yeah, like either way, no matter where they go, they'd have to pay somebody a cut. So I feel like we could renegotiate and like it could be this thing of and maybe that's even like the track of like, OK, after six months, we'll reevaluate your thing and see like maybe we'll give you two shows a month or maybe it's like instead of 30 percent cut, we'll take 28 or something like that, like down the lines if it's like an amazing relationship. Yeah, uh, but either like. If they don't have to pay a cut, they're going to have to do... There's going to have to be some... Like, there's just no... There's no such thing as a free lunch, so... I don't know how many places would be, like... I don't... You know what I mean? Like, we're getting ripped off. Yeah, well, that that gets back into the... the size of it. Well, it gets back into, like, Uh, that sort of question of, like, are we uh, producers uh, or are we just a venue? Uh, Because I think the thing is, like, if it's, like, an established, like, out-of-town, like, whatever, it's just, like, all right, charge them a flat rate uh, for use of the space, cover insurance, whatever, and then they can charge whatever they want. And then, you know, that's on them what they ultimately net. But if we're developing it, then I think, you know, that's when you get into the question of, like, cutting the door. Uh, you know, are we compensating for the actual labor that uh, goes into the show, the intellectual property, whatever it is that was developed? Uh, yeah. I'm thinking more about, like, along the lines of, like, stage sketch shows and that kind of thing. But, yeah. Yeah. And, but also improv teams. Like, you know, if a, if, a, if a coach, if the theater has a coach who coached an improv team for a while and they're performing, I don't know, that's... I think that's neither here nor there, but I think it's just something to think about. Like, I think that maybe Millie's right. It's like after six months of like the labor that we put in, that like you become an independent improv team and you can now perform anywhere. Uh, you don't even have to perform at our theater anymore, but if you do come back, you can get that flat rate. Right. Can you imagine how crazy it would be if UCB demanded a cut of uh, Astronomy Club? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh. Oh my god, um, that's our show. No, it's not. Well, that I, I, was what that's that was what um one of I mean I don't want to get I don't know but like one of the like in that town hall video thing, somebody complained. It was like, why didn't you guys promote the astronomy club show like you did Broad City? <laughs> wow, yes, yeah. not, not untrue, <laughs> not untrue. Um, and uh, also though I I, uh, I you know we I'm sure we all agree on this. Like a theater would never take intellectual property over somebody's <laughs> somebody else's work unless one of us wrote it 
Right. Um, I think that was like an early idea for some theaters of like, hey, if you perform at a theater, it's we own it. I mean, I feel like that could only work if if your theater is also a production company, which I know for a while some theaters were trying to do that, but no, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, and then, you know, we don't have any more ideas, I think. Are we good? Well, one last thing. What do we call this wonderful theater? I was just about to say that. Very good, Alex. What a good co-host. Uh, <laughs> what would we call our theater? Uh, if you want to think about it for a little bit, maybe I'll go first. Uh, go you first. want to think about it? I would love to call it The Bad Space. I don't know why something about calling it The Bad Space that protects us from if anybody <laughs> if anybody <laughs> thinks it's a bad space it was like they'll be like oh that bad space be like well that's the is that the name i don't know like like the, there's something about bad that i just love for for a theater um uh, and uh or the bad comedy theater i don't know uh but again but then we can go since we're in the barclays or brooklyn like the bad comedy theater brooklyn atlantic <laughs> the d train <laughs> That's what that stands for. Uh, Alex, you want to go next? Let's see. Uh, I would call it... I don't know. I think I would call it something really stupid. Uh, (laughs) You're just like... Not like the bad space, but like... I I don't know. Something like Whirlows or something like that. Just like... What the hell is Whirlows? What the hell is Whirlows? There was a name of a barbecue place I really liked from my hometown. Uh, Where's your hometown again? uh, Whirlows? What's Where's that? your hometown? Uh, Stockton, California. Oh, I knew somebody from there. Yeah, not naming uh, Dominique's from there. Oh, Dominique, Dominique, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not naming it after your barbecue place. I'm sorry, Whirlos. That's the best you got. <laughs> I had a Botley. That place? was not a good barbecue place. <laughs> okay, Millie, please say us. Here. I'm gonna. This place is going to be named Knuckleheads. <laughs> Knuckleheads. <laughs> I like it. Is, can uh, heads be spelled with the Z at the end? Sure. I love that. There we go. Heads. It uh, might be knuckleheads. It might be two e's, not a name. <laughs> knuckleheads. <laughs> Dow Chemical presents knuckleheads. 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 <laughs> we come out with so, like the, the the weird top barbershop hats and like the stripes. <laughs> knuckleheads. Yeah, like some. I w- I would love some like whack like National Lampoon esque like Mad TV like evoking that kind of. I think it could be really fun to evoke a comedy institution name while having all this like progressive new yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, the Chuckle Hut. The Chuckle Hut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's a barbecue place called Char Hut uh, in Florida that everyone oh loves. Oh my god! <laughs> if we're talking about barbecue places, yeah, we wouldn't be able to name our theater after fire. Um, so uh, I uh, will close out the show with uh, first Alex. Anything closing remarks? Any closing remarks? Um, nope. I think we covered it. Okay. And Millie, uh, if you want to promote anything, closing remarks. What would you like to say? I don't even know when this shit is coming out. I don't even know. I I would have said no if I knew Alex was going to be on. Uh, fuck y'all. I haven't been no, doxed yet. Oh man. <laughs> doxed yet you will don't worry everyone Perfect. gets their chance i'm kidding um no yeah just happy to be here uh follow my podcast all dick is trash podcast and yeah thanks for having me 